Good morning. What a wonderful time singing and praising this morning. Amen. Let me get mapped out to where I'm going here. And I want to <clears throat> approach you this morning and, and just, you can kind of get a vision of where this road is headed today, where God led me down. And I want to start off by saying that this is a love message. Um, some messages are tougher than others, but this truly comes from the bottom of my heart. It It's an accountability message, more, more or less for myself um, and my family and, and my extended church family. Um, and so it is a message out of love, and I want you to know that God led me down this road, and it's an extremely passionate topic for me. Um, but I believe in my heart, after all the things that happened in 2019, um, that 2020 is going to be an immaculate, God-led year um, for me and my family as we continue to surrender under the authority of God. And I would uh, try to motivate everybody else to do the same. So, the title for today's sermon is No More Excuses. I've got tired of battling. I, I battle it in myself. Um, I've seen other people battle with it. I've heard other people's excuses. I've heard my own excuses and reflection and and some of the things that cross my mind as, as things come up and, and the excuses that I give are just, in layman's term, fall short of the glory of God. Uh, but anyway, if you would, please bow your heads with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we are thankful for the opportunity to be here this morning, Lord. The, the praise and worship time, God, to let the music and the lyrics really touch our souls, God, that we can get in tune and just see a little glimpse into heaven, what it says we might sing and spend the rest of our time singing and praising you. Lord, that's what we're gathered here for today. God, is to, to give honor and glory and praise to you. Lord, it's not about any one of us, but Lord, it's about you. God, I'm thankful for each and every person here this morning, God. And I, I pray that they would receive the message that you have given me as a love message. Lord, as a love offering, as a plea. God, into the depths of our hearts, Lord, that minds, bodies, and hearts might be changed this morning, Lord, because your presence is here. God, I pray, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just fill this place. God, that it might be so strong this morning that people driving by might fill it out in the streets. God, that the places we disperse to after the service is over could ask where you've been because they feel your presence so strongly inside of each one of us. God, what an opportunity we have, Lord, that you've presented us with this morning to be in your presence, Lord, to come together with brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, to sing praises to you, to study your word, Lord, and just talk about you. God, we are truly thankful for this opportunity. God, I pray that you be with the ones that missed out today. God, for whatever reason, Lord, that you would reach into their homes, that you would touch their lives. Lord, that hearts and minds might be changed, Lord. I pray that if anybody today is lacking, 
the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, Lord, that today you would put it in their heart. God, that today they would make a decision to live a life for you. God, that today might be the start of a brand new relationship. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. No more excuses. Um, I make up excuses all the time for the reasons I should and shouldn't do things. Um, And one of the biggest things that I hear all the time is, is one of these quotes or one of these scriptures out of the Bible. And it really hurts me that we use God's word sometimes to make an excuse for who we are or what we've done. Um, I would love to just kind of smash these things out this morning as I've, I've used this excuse myself, but it, it falls in Romans 3.23, and it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It is a level playing field. We are born into sin nature because of what happened in the Garden of Eden. But when I hear that, well, I'm, I'm going to sin because I live in sin nature. I'm sinful. The flesh is terrible. That's just what we do. That's just who we are. And I'm here to say this morning that that is no longer acceptable for me. God calls me into a higher righteousness, a more holiness. He wants me to be more like Him. That's why He sent examples before me. God hates sin Jesus Christ did not sin. And so I believe with my whole heart that God wants me to walk after what He would have for me. And to use His words as an excuse to sin shows you how bad I really am. Well, I'm a sinner by nature, so I'm just going to mess up. Although that is true, That needs to stop being a crutch for us domesticating sin. We have invited sin in and we say it's okay to dabble in it just a little bit. Just a little bit of sin is okay. It's okay if I do a little bit of this. But when it boils down to it, I am big like I am because I eat too much food. There's no excuse for it. I can't say that it's somebody else's problem because it's my own. And this year, I feel that it is time for me to step up and take a hold of my sin because it belongs to me. It has nothing to do with God. My sin is not in God because there is no darkness in light. He is light. There is no darkness in Him. So I can't justify my sin by taking His words because there's no darkness in His Word. His Word is light and it's to guide me home. It's to mold me more Christ-like. It's to be a follower of Christ. You can't domesticate and make sin your pet and walk by and pet it when you want to and expect to get closer to Christ along the way. You can't do it. It says in there that you can't serve two masters. You can't serve sin and serve God. In Romans 6.23 it says, For the wages of sin is death. 
the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In Matthew 4, 17, it says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus Christ himself says, Turn away from sin. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. His name, Emmanuel, means God with us. When he left, he left us the Holy Spirit that it might dwell inside of us and that we would relinquish ourselves to him. That he would have a dwelling place. In Romans 12, I don't know the exact quote, but it says that is our reasonable service to be a temple for the Holy Spirit. That is your reasonable service. When I looked at these things, and as God, it was really confusing because it was bouncing all over the place as God was showing me different things this week. And I'm not going to lie, in the last three or four days, we've really been through some things spiritually. We've really been through some things, and we've had some great talks with God and some great prayer time between me and my wife and my family gathers together before every meal and we pray and we pray together at night and the whole month of December we read through the book of Luke with my kids and my wife and it's been a great time as we seek out and we've latched on to the Lord he has shown me that this year there's no more excuses not to walk in the way in which I've called you to walk you are your own worst enemy You're allowing Satan to dabble in your life when I've called you to something completely different. You're telling me no when I want you to say yes. James 4, 7, he says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. First step, submit yourself to God. Submit yourself to God. We talked about it a little bit this morning. A great, great question was raised. And some of these questions, man, are tough. And we were talking about helping other people. And and what's the biggest obstacle that we try to overcome with, uh, with sharing the gospel with other people or sharing your testimony with other people? And the question was asked, do you really want to help other people? That's a tough question in itself, right? Do you deep down, do you really want to make a difference in somebody else's life? Is it important to you? That's a tough question all by itself. And then the second question was asked, if you've accepted Christ as Savior, how can you not want to make a difference in somebody else's life. And I was like, ooh, these are tough questions, guys. I don't know the answers to them, but I know that we need to take time to search ourselves and find what's inside of us. And then when we dig deep down inside of us, do we find the Holy Spirit? Is that what's inside of us? Is that what we allow to fill every inch of our body Or do we domesticate sin in our life like a little puppy dog that we can sit around and pet when we want to? 
Because I can assure you that the Holy Spirit does not justify your sin because you want to dabble in it a little bit. It says, submit yourself to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. The devil's not running away because we're not resisting him. The devil's not going anywhere because we want to dabble in sin because it appeals to us and it's nice to have around every now and then. We can't expect to submit to a God that has no darkness in Him with one hand on your Bible and one hand petting sin down here. It says it can't be like that. It says you can't do that. You're going to serve one or the other. There is no middle ground. You're serving me or you're serving your flesh, which is sinful. And so James says the first step is submitting yourself to God. So that's my first question today. As we reflect over 2019 and we go into 2020 and this message is so fitting because we declared 2020 in my house days before the new year rang in that this is a year for God to work. This is a year that we're going to do the work of God with all of our abilities that He gives us and that we possibly can. That in every aspect of our lives, we're going to try the best we can to tell God yes in whatever He has for us. And God has showed up and He has spoke to both me and my wife in amazing, amazing, amazing ways this week. And He has given us guidance and His confirmation to us. Amen? That's what we seek after. We want God's approval on our lives. And we want to know that we stand directly in the middle of what God would have for us. That's the blessed place you can be. It's a blessed place to be. It's going to be great for your family when you submit to God's authority. We talk about Paul all the time. And we talked about Paul this morning. And he was in court. And he was being um, tried by a king. And... He just said that it's great to be here. He said that in prison. He said that as he's shackled. He said that as he's getting beat. It's great to be here because he was in the center of God's will doing God's work. And he knew it. And so it doesn't matter. You're going to face obstacles on the way. And you're going to go through seasons of down and lull time. And you're going to get stuck in ruts. And you're going to feel like this world has dealt these heavy, heavy blows because it has. It has. When you start doing God's work and you surrender to God's will, the devil is going to come after you with everything that he has because he doesn't want you to make a difference in somebody else's life. He will battle you for all your worth because he does not want you to share your testimony. He does not want you to tell people about God's grace. He does not want you to speak of love. He wants you to take and pet that sin. That's down here. We all have that hidden sin. I'm the same as everybody else. And I've battled a hidden sin for years and years and years. That three or four years ago, God took from me. And the chains were broken and a weight was lifted. And I don't have to hide anymore. Amen? That is a glorious thing if you've ever been through it. Where you have a shameful part of your life that you harbor from everybody else. Because you don't want anybody to know. And you do it in secret. And you do it in darkness. And God takes it from you. There's no more glorious moment than that when you don't have to hide anymore. 
Oh, man. If anybody's ever experienced, they know exactly what I'm talking about. There's not a piece of me that I have to hide from my wife anymore. Amen. There's not a piece of me that I try to shave away from God that I feel like he doesn't know me fully, that I can talk to him about anything, that I don't fall down in disgrace of myself because of who I am and what I just did. But be it to the glory of God, because I prayed about it for years and years and years. This did not happen overnight. This is a battle. This is a fierce battle. But I'm telling you, in 2020, there's no more excuses left for us. We have decided and declared that this year is for the Lord and we're going to work for Him and we're going to make a difference. This year is going to be different. Why? Because I see community coming together. I see churches coming together. I see great things happening for the kingdom of God. I do. You can get on board or not get on board. That's your own choice. But I can tell you one morning you're going to wake up and you're going to look around and you're going to be like, my gosh, there's a lot of great things happening and there's not a lot of people on board willing to push it there. And God's going to say, you know what? It's your time. It's your time to hop on the train. It's your time to shovel a little bit of coal to start fanning that flame. It's your choice. Whether you want to do that or not. It's your choice. I had a pastor tell me we were in pretty deep conversation because I was conflicted pretty hard. And he said, brother, I've had a lot of conversations with you. We've studied the Bible quite a little bit together. We've prayed in the spirit together. I've seen you rise up. I've seen you fall down and and rely on God to pick you back up. And he said, I can tell you as sure as I can tell myself. That you are truly a child of God and you don't have a choice anymore. You are submitted to God and I see you doing God's work and I see you willing to say yes to anything that he wants I'm not lifting myself up here, but I'm saying where we need to get to is where we don't have a choice. God says it, we do it. That is submitted to God. That's what James is talking about. You have to submit yourself to God. God talks about if you pray to me wholeheartedly, if you come to me wholeheartedly, if you seek me fully. There's not one hand on the Bible and one hand on sin because you like the way it feels. If you seek me with your whole heart, you don't have a choice to make anymore. God says do it and you say yes. There's not a choice because you're fully submitted. Child of the King. When He calls you to something, you go. Jesus' disciples, Jesus went out and called them and they went. They didn't have a choice. God had appointed that time. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 starting in verse 5. And you know that He was manifested to take away our sins and in Him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in Him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth have not seen Him neither known Him. 
Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin of the devil for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. He kept up his part of the promise. He said, I will send the ultimate sacrifice, the once and for all blood to cover your sin. He's upheld his part in Jesus Christ. Verse 9, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil, whosoever doeth not righteousness, is not of God. Neither he that loveth loveth not his brother. These are not my words. These are the holy words of the Bible that God has appointed us for instruction. And that's why I told you at the beginning that this is not a message of condemnation, but a, a message of love for you guys. Because I've battled the same things, but in this year I can say no more excuses. I'm not going to make up excuses for my sin. I'm going to face my sin. I'm going to declare it. I'm going to tell somebody about it because I want to be held accountable. The problem is, is we hate the consequences of sin and not the sin itself. Nobody likes being hung over the next day. But that's hating the consequence of getting drunk. That's not hating the act itself. We have to mature and grow into the fact where we hate sin. Not the consequences of it, but the sin itself we don't want anything to do with. Because we know what the consequences of sin are. It says it. Wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. We know the consequences of sin. We have to get to where we hate sin. We can't keep domesticating it. We can't keep inviting it into our houses and expect to live glorified lives. We can't invite sin into our church and expect our church to be prosperous. We can't invite sin into our heart and expect to be wholeheartedly living a life for God. Because in Him there is no darkness. None. To have a heart fully committed to God means that we don't entertain sin. Are we going to sin? Yes, but it should not be a crutch for us to sin. Are we going to mess up? Yes, we're going to mess up, but we've got to stop using this. Well, I'm just sinful by nature. It's no big deal. The wages of sin is death. You bring death upon people when you sin. You brought death upon Christ when you sin. He hung there because of me. I drove the nails. I put the crown of thorns on his head. I shouted for him to be crucified. I did that. Luckily for me, I've got a God... 
that loves me so much in my sin that he sent a savior for me. Because God loves me. God loves me not for my works. God's love is never changing. I could lead 5,000 people to Christ today and God's not going to love me more because of it. God loves me. He created me. He knows how many hairs are on my head. But I believe that the rewards are far beyond your imagination. I believe that God rewards obedience. I'm tired of the excuses that I've made in my own life. I'm tired of the excuses of allowing sin into places that sin shouldn't be. This year. This year. And I start off by one year. And I start off by one day. Because man, it's a day-to-day battle. He says pick up your cross daily. He doesn't say pick it up once a week because it's going to last all week. He says pick it up daily. Put on the full armor of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received us, how you ought to walk and to please God. So you would abound more and more. Why? So that God will love you more? No. So that you can abound more and more. God wants you to have more and more. He wants to bless you more and more. He wants to give you not only life, but life abundant. It says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life. Not only life, but life more abundant. He wants us to have more. We're living in the basic necessity of life when we could be living in life abundant. We're settling for basement when we could have skyrise condo. By holding on to a sinful nature, not of God. So, so you would abound more and more. For you know that the commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. Even your sanctification that you should abstain from fornication. Sanctification has been a word that has copped out to me um, over the last few days above and beyond. And it says, set aside For God's purpose. Set aside for God's purpose. Are you sanctified? I believe that everybody that accepts Jesus Christ as Savior is sanctified. But that means we don't have a choice because we're already set aside. Your choice was accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. That was your choice. If you wholeheartedly do it, you don't have a choice after that. Because now you're a servant. And it's a glorious life to be a servant of the one true king. Amen. The rewards are eternal, forever, never ending. Beyond your wildest imagination. It's a labor of love. That's why I'm here today. And that's why I wanted to express to you. Because I knew the way this sounds. That it's coming down on you guys pretty hard. But as a church body, as a family, we've got to start holding each other accountable. We've got to build relationships where people can talk to you. Where they can share their problems. Depression among late teens 
and early 20s is, is just astronomical. And this generation has been deemed the loneliest generation. With all the communication technology that we have, you cannot replace human interaction. Church family. Family. Our families inside our own homes don't even spend much time together anymore. How can we expect a church body to come together and spend time together? We don't value our family at home. How can we value extended family at church? It changes. But it takes a mindset. A 2020, no more excuses. I'm going to cling to what God has for me with every breath and desire of my heart this year. That is my goal. Whatever He calls me to do, that's what I want to do. So that my life may abound more and more. That my family may reap the percussions of my obedience. The generations to come. My obedience doesn't just affect my family sitting right there in the pews. Lance, it affects your family. Morris, your family. Your obedience affects my family. My wife's obedience affects other people's family. Our obedience to God doesn't stop with us because He is way bigger than we are. It's amazing. Amazing. There's a little church in Horseshoe Bend, Arkansas that we were at for about a year. Sometimes you might have five, sometimes you might have 50. It was a very poverty-stricken church. The building was run down. They had leaks in the roof. Man, it was a church full of sinners looking for the grace of God. Amen? That's what it was. But those five people, man... Those five people that showed up every Sunday didn't show up because I was there speaking. They didn't show up for the person next to them. They showed up because they had a passion for God and to seek His face. It was unlike anything I've ever seen. These people had a passion for it. And every conversation that I ever had with any one of them, you talked about God and you left fired up. They didn't care about the weather. I mean, it was fantastic. And we spent time down there outside of, we went to a lady's house, man, and she had every animal under the sun. And so it was a little sketchy when she served us lunch, but, you know, it was good. And the conversation was good. And she was an enlightenment to my family. A passion and a desire to serve and be a servant, relinquishing your own sinful, fleshly nature to pursue spiritual, godly things. That's what we're here for. If you're here so that you can have somebody see you sitting in that seat, <clears throat> you have missed the point. It says, For this is the will of God. Even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Man. 
think it was Paul that said, why do I do the things that I shouldn't do and I don't do the things I should do? I'm so confused why this happens. It's a training process to take possession of your vessel. We're a vessel for the Holy Spirit. It says that every one of you, not just me, not just my wife, every one of you should know how to possess His vessel in sanctification and honor. Possess His vessel to put it aside for the purpose of the Lord. Not your own fleshly desires. To put your vessel aside for the purpose of the Lord. Not in the lust. Alright, I looked this this word up and how to pronounce it this morning. Concupiscence. Concupiscence. Anyway. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. That no man go beyond to defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such. And we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us into uncleanliness, but holiness. So anytime you invite sin in, you are not doing the will of God. I listened to one pastor this week and he was talking about discernment. And he said, you want to know how to discern who's talking to you? If it appeals to the flesh, it's probably the devil. Because he can only appeal to the flesh. God talks to your heart. God calls you to a greater purpose. He got to talking about, that's another story, but it was good. It says... That no man go beyond, sorry I'm down here verse 7, for God hath not called us unto uncleanliness, but to holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given us unto us his Holy Spirit. So when you hate the good things, you don't hate manly things. When you hate righteousness, you don't hate righteousness in men. You hate godly things. You don't hate man. You hate God. That's what it says. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but to despise God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. But as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed... You do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. And that you study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we command you. That you may walk honestly toward them that are without and that you may be lacking of nothing. That last part hit me hard. That last part hit me so hard. And it says that you study to be quiet, to do your own business, and to work with your own hands as I command you. Do not set the status quo or the bar anywhere but Jesus Christ. Well, I'm doing better than that person. Well, I showed up on Sunday and I go to church on Wednesday. I'm ahead of the game. Jesus Christ was the church. It was everywhere He went. Is church everywhere you go? Are you church everywhere you go? 
It's a commitment. And I'll be honest with you. Commitment's where people start backing off. I mean, it is. I was, we, were, we gathered a group of church individuals the other night and looking to do some things. And it was a great, inspired group of people that show passion that every time I've seen them, man, they're showing people the love of God and they're the hands and feet of God. And it's, it's amazing. I respect each and every one of them. And we started setting a date for something. Man, and the conversation had been great. I mean, everybody had ideas and we were praying and, and giving God glory and everything was great. And then you throw a date to start something and it was crickets. <laughs> Commitment. You set a date, then you have to commit. That's where a lot of Christians fall off is commitment. Then the question goes back to the Sunday school question. And I'm not, I'm not questioning anybody's salvation in here. I want you to know that I love everybody in here. And if you tell me that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's good with me. But I'm telling you that it is a heart condition. If you aren't committed to doing God's will on your life, are you committed? I don't know. Man, these are tough questions. The question was asked in Sunday school this morning. If you don't want to make a difference in other people's life for the better, do you really have the Holy Spirit inside of you? I cannot answer that question for anybody in here. But that's a question I implore you to ask yourself is who are you serving? Who are you serving? Are you committed to anything? Man, a lot of us just have commitment issues. We don't want to commit 